0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another edition of Achtung Radio. My name is Nick Hart. And this is a podcast that tries to take a look at the past via the medium of a randomly chosen old newspaper from the British Newspaper Archives. Now in this edition today we're going to be looking at a copy of the Daily Mirror dated March the 11th 1927. Now the Mirror obviously is still a major name in... What is what was left of Fleet Street? Shall we call it um, mostly online now, but it still does exist. It was founded in 1903, originally, oddly, as a as a newspaper for women, run by women, founded by uh, Lord Northcliffe, Alfred Harmsworth, and originally, strange as it might sound, it had quite a conservative outlook. That would change in time as it became more. Um, overtly a supporter of the Labour Party as as the years would pass. But initially, at least it was founded as a, a middle class organ for the respectable ladies of Britain. Now, by the time of the edition that we're looking at in March 1927, the Mirror was one of the country's most successful and most popular newspapers, retailing at just one penny uh, circulation in nineteen 19- 1919 was running at more than a million copies a day. It sponsored the 1924 Women's Olympics held at Stamford Bridge in London. And under the ownership of Lord Rovermere, again, oddly, as it might seem, given later uh, political developments, uh, Lord Rothermere was a friend of Benito Mussolini, the Italian fascist leader, and Adolf Hitler in Germany. And he directed the Mirror's editorial stance to reflect that uh, sympathy in the early 1930s. In 1934, the Daily Mirror even went so far as to run a headline, Give the Black Shirts a Helping Hand, urging readers to join Sir Oswald Mosley's British Union of Fascists. So there we are. We always condemn the Daily Mail, but little do we know nowadays that the Daily Mirror was at it at the same time, dear listeners. But nothing remotely uh, black shirty in the edition that we're looking at. March the 11th, 1927. Front and back page, all pictures, all photographs. I think this is one of the novelties that the likes of the Mirror and others brought in during the 1920s using modern technology. Um, The front and back page are all photographic images and we see the main banner headline is the Prince of Wales has opened a disabled... Warriors' Colony in a place called Oadby near Leicester. Um, this is a a show opening for a set of homes for uh, servicemen injured during the course of the First World War, which it ended not not that, not nine years before Prince of Wales Edward visiting this charitable enterprise to provide homes for disabled servicemen during the the aftermath of the First World War. There was a lot of talk for from government and from others that the servicemen who had given so much for the country during the course of that conflict should be given homes fit for heroes, a famous phrase, homes fit for heroes. Very little in actual fact materialised, mostly it was charitable undertakings, the likes of the Hague Fund and and others. Um, it doesn't say on this particular report who is behind these Odeby disabled warriors colonies. Um, there's a great booklet, if this is the kind of thing you like, if you type in the word Words O A D B Y Disabled Warriors Colony. It will bring up an English Heritage brochure, which gives quite a nice background to the the movement to help and assist and support those who had been injured in the First World War. Um, in this image here, there's a chap in a, in a wheelchair, one of those old school three-wheeled wheelchairs with a kind of um, you know front wheel that uh, that you control by by a bar. Speaking to Edward Prince of Wales, dressed in his usual dapper style of uh, a long. I imagine a Prince of Wales check coat and, and a bowler hat. Other images of him uh, planting a tree at the Arch of Remembrance in the University College grounds. I'd imagine that's De Montfort University in Leicester, um, placing a wreath and being presented with a cardigan and scarf by Mrs. H. Gardner of the textile works of Messrs. Woolsey, famous um, manufacturers in Leicester at that time, anyway. The report says a crowd of many thousands strong lined the streets of Leicester yesterday to greet the Prince of Wales during his visit to the city to open the Disabled Warriors Homes at Odeby, The colony consists of houses uh, in which disabled men will live there with their families, rate and rent free. Not a bad deal. Um, The Prince, on his arrival at the homes, inspected the Guard of Honor, composed partly of ex-servicemen. He also visited the Framework Knitter's Homes University College, and some of the city's factories. Uh, Edward Prince of Wales, obviously later in his life, a controversial figure, shall we say, with his abdication in 1936 and his rumoured um, sympathies for uh, Hitler and Mussolini during the course of the Second World War. At this time, I believe he was quite a popular figure in the country. He had served in the First World War. He had won the military cross in in the conflict, and he was known for taking an interest in the... Uh, the welfare of those who had also fought with him in the fields of northern France and Flanders. And of course in the late 30s he would throw it all away, his, his status and what well, not his status, but certainly his, um, his his seat on the throne for the famous Wallace Simpson in the abdication Crisis of 1936. But as yet unmarried in these images, you do get a fascinating glimpse of the past, which is at both uh, distant and yet somehow familiar listeners in when you look at these old newspapers. On the back page, also um, picture-based stories on the back page, you have a tragic story here of motorcycle crash. Doris White, age 17, who was injured when riding with a motorcyclist named Ernest Mitchell at Eltham, south-east London. The cycle was in a collision with a horse, and Mitchell the the uh the, the motorcyclist was fatally hurt, nothing on the um the fate of Doris. So I hope she survived that that um, crash. There, age just seventeen, uh, fireman's cross country racing, also Elton. Elton seems to fe- feature quite a bit in this particular edition. Uh, the first men home in the London Fire Brigade Athletic Association's cross country championship. Decided at Eltham. Coming first was one G. Frampton, W. Smith second, and G. E. Tab third. Now, one story caught my eye and fascinated. I've never heard of it. I did not have a clue what it related to. So I had to look it up for you, dear listener. There's a picture of a bunch of, I think you probably call them theatrical types, actors and actresses, naming themselves as a googly band, G-U-G-L-Y, a googly band. And the story is um, amongst the latest recruits to the ranks of the Goognoons, the Goognoons, G U G N U N E S, Goognoons, are the entire cast of Yellow Sands. That's a show at the Haymarket Theatre. And they are seen filling up application forms. There's a, there's a, a, a chap with a moustache and a kind of cloth cap signing something. Watched by various uniformed, um, you know, actors and and ladies in 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 period dress, a googly band, and these are recruits to the ranks of the Gugnu, gugnuks the gugnooks, G-U-N-G-U-G-N-U-N-C-S. Now I thought, what in damnation is that all about? Because I've not got a clue. I bet you haven't too. These these are the moments where you suddenly realise that the the past is indeed a foreign country. So I had to look up Gugnooks, Gugnooks. And the beauty of the internet is, of course, whatever you want in this life is is lurking on there somewhere. And I came across a wonderful blog, the Cartoon Museum blog, wordpress.com, um, an article remembering Pipsqueak and Wilfred and the Wilfredian League of Gugnooks. This is a actually a... a, a um, cartoon series published in the mirror We actually had a rummage inside the, the pages and there is um Wilfred, pip squeak and Wilfred on the inside pages and this author um lists them as an adorable trio of anthropomorphic animals called pip squeak and Wilfred, known as the Goognooks, because Wilfred, one of the characters was a long-eared rabbit uh, in the toddler stage of development who could only matter gug and Nunk. gug nunk and this seems to have caught hold um there's as i say there's a back the uh, back page image of um actors and actresses joining the gugnuk um application form well, don't some kind of fan club who knows it's it's very very strange i've never heard of the uh, of the of the cartoon series there it is on the cartoon page pip squeak and wilfred a happy family of pets whose comical adventures are famous Throughout the world, well, they're now Probably more famous than they have been for some time. There's a, I won't read out the um, uh, the cartoon. It's pretty weak stuff. In truth, dear listeners, um, alongside a wonderful article for military pickle, um, a flavour that appeals to men, elderly folk find it digestible, and the housewife finds it handy. Children like it. Military pickle, a bit like Branston pickle. I've had military pickle in my time, it's quite, quite nice. What became of Military Pickle? Is it still made? I don't know. I haven't seen it for a long time. I have had it in my youth, though. On page two, we have a death sentence passed at the Old Bailey. Uh, The judge um, accepted a guilty plea from one James Frederick Stratton, age 26, and sentenced him to death. He had pleaded guilty to murdering his sweetheart, Daisy Mays, in a London suburban train. At first, the judge refused to accept Stratton's plea, but ultimately agreed to do so. This is believed to be the only the second time in 40 years that a murder plea of guilty has been accepted at the Old Bailey. Um, this this was subject to some legal argument. The council draws attention to his Stratton's alleged uh, quote traces of abnormality. I imagine he's meaning mental. Um, you know, inability to uh, to understand what he's done. What do they call it in modern terms? Unfit to stand trial, potentially, I suppose. He's pleaded guilty despite being heavily bandaged and being in a sling, pale and collarless. He appeared in, in court, sentenced to death. Stratton's counsel uh, spoke of um, very serious traces of abnormality. He pleaded, Mr. Justice Branson replied, there is only one sentence that I can pass if this plea is accepted. Um, Which it it was. And there's a picture of James Stratton looking very young um, and Daisy Mays in in a a headdress of the time. Tragic little story. Alongside that tragic murder case, there's um, a continuation of the Prince of Wales' visit to Leicester. Prince's car was bumped, says this small paragraph on page two. Slight shaking in the motor, in a motor mishap. During a visit to Leicester, during the Prince of Wales visit to Leicester yesterday, he was involved in a slight motoring accident. In Blackbird Road, the driver of the Prince's car pulled up suddenly to avoid a dog. These are big stories. And a car ran into the back of, oh, someone's gone into his back of the Prince's motor, bending its number plate. And giving the Prince a slight shaking, poor sod, poor sod. On visiting the Wolsey hosiery factory, the Prince passed through the ranks of 2,000 cheering girl operatives. Two Colville boys rode 25 miles on a bicycle to see the Prince taking it in turns to ride on the step of the machine. Different times, dear listeners, different times, simpler times. In the sports uh, reference to Cardiff City doing very well in the FA Cup, 1926-27 would actually be the season where famously Cardiff would win the FA Cup, the only time it's left England in its in its history. This report references a similarity in their form with Manchester City the previous season had won their way through to the FA Cup final but failed to be uh, to avoid relegation will Cardiff fall between these two stalls as the Mancunians did the the article asks will will they do well in the cup but suffer in the league well the answer to that question is yes they would avoid relegation in the end they would win the FA Cup against Arsenal in the FA Cup final but they finished in 14th position in the first division Leeds United and West Bromwich Albion would suffer relegation in their stead, but quite a few teams between them and the bottom two, in all fairness. But they would win the FA Cup against Arsenal, a 74th-minute goal scored by Ferguson, who fired a hopeful shot towards the Arsenal goal, only for goalkeeper Dan Lewis to let the ball slip out of his hands and into the net under pressure from the advancing Len Davis, Cardiff forward. Lewis later blamed that error on his new jersey, claiming that it was greasy because it was brand new. Made it difficult to grip the ball. Um, one of the, I don't know if it's true or if it's urban myth, but ever since whenever Arsenal reach a, a cup final, the goalkeeper does not wear a brand new uh, shirt as a consequence to that incident. I don't know if that's true. It's nice if it would be true. I think it might be um, might be you know, bollocks, but um, we'll, 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 who knows? Who knows? It's a nice story. Um, Cardiff would also win the Welsh Cup that season too. So a very successful season for Cardiff City FC. Elsewhere, the big story is horse racing. Um, article on the uh, the field for the Lincolnshire Cup. Um, selections for Boovery, one of their racing tipsters. Wonderful names that the old racing tipsters used to have. Tipsters would always use pseudonyms. I think it related to the times pre-1959, uh, 60, when betting was legalised. Of course, betting was legalised. My grandfather, uh, an inveterate better and gambler, using street corner bookies, would always use a pseudonym in his betting. He was known as Gus, G-U-S. Everyone needed a pseudonym so that you couldn't be accused directly of having your name attached to what was essentially an illegal transaction. And I think that crossed over into the newspaper columnists that uh, made their selections. Um, This one here in the daily era is Bouverie, Bouverie Street, I believe that was where the newspaper was located. And there were, of course, others. Each of the newspapers had their own tipster and they would always use such a such a pen name. And finally, just to close this particular edition, I am transfixed and fascinated by a back page photograph of a hair waving competition. Uh, hair waving as in the ladies hair setting sense where you have a permanent wave put in your hair um, as was the style of the time. And there's a group of ladies here having their hair um, permanently waved by... They're men, all dressed in in uh, dinner suits and standing around. And there was a competition to judge the best of the hair waves um, amongst this particular group. The biggest competition held ever in England, it says here, and I've got no reason to doubt that. And Mr. S.W. Ward was the winner, with Mr. Martin being second and one M. Baker third. No mention of the ladies. I mean, they're the ones actually having this done to them. Um, I presume these chaps must be um you know expert in 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 hairdressing you wouldn't let your your man loose on your hair girls would you if if he wasn't at least having some knowledge of the permanent wave techniques um who knows it was a it was a hair waving competition it's got on the back page of the daily mirror of march the 11th 1927 and as i've said a few times and i will continue to say the past is a foreign country and yet it hasn't ever really gone away has it Um, So I hope you enjoyed this particular edition of Achtung Radio. My name is Nick Hart. Do let me know what you think of these shows, if you enjoy them. Um, I can be contacted via the Twitter feed at Achtung Radio. Um, I'll leave my messages open, so I'm sure I'll get all sorts of um, corrections and and whatnot. But do let me know if you like them, if you want me to continue to do them, or if you think they're utter utter pony, please do let me know. So thank you for listening. This has been Achtung Radio. My name is Nick Hart. And we'll be back with another edition another day. Until then, bye for now. Just by way of a sad postscript, uh, I checked the britishexecutions.co.uk website, which reveals that James Frederick Stratton was indeed hung, executed on March the 29th, 1927 at Pentonville Prison, method of execution hanging